This week, the U.S. Federal Reserve announced that all of the major U.S. banks passed their stress tests. Banks including Wells Fargo and Morgan Stanley promptly announced they would raise their dividends by 100% or more in a show of strength. But many fintech CEOs are raising a key question. Are big banks really healthy after all? In this edition of Commerce Code, are big banks really healthy. I'm Silvio Tavares here in San Francisco. This is Commerce Code, brought to you by DCA, the Digital Commerce Alliance. It's great to be with you. Stress tests, you know the term. The Federal Reserve started putting the major banks through these health checks after the 2008 financial meltdown. The idea behind these tests was to prevent a future financial disaster. If the Federal Reserve performed periodic health checks, then it would be able to have an early warning system and identify the weak banks in advance and help them. Well, that's the theory anyway. And to be fair, it has worked. Judging by bank balance sheets and how they fared through a disastrous pandemic, banks are indeed healthy. However, Fintech CEOs are not convinced. They see a glaring challenge for big banks that could impact their health in the near future. That is the problem of digital and mobile financial services. Virtually every major business that banks engage in, from credit cards to mortgages to corporate lending, have stiff new competition from fintechs and tech companies. Just one example? Did you know that over 65% of mortgages in the U.S. are originated by non-banks? Often, these are fintech companies. Some of the same things are happening in payments and corporate lending. The stiff banking competition from companies as diverse and as large as Apple, Google, and Walmart is raising questions about whether big banks can indeed stay healthy in the medium and long term. So many fintech executives are now looking at how they can partner with big banks to ensure they actually do stay healthy in the long term. And today on the show, we speak with one such executive, Mitch Jacobs. Mitch is a very successful fintech entrepreneur and the founder of OnDeck, a pioneer in fintech lending. The company went public in 2014 and achieved a market value of over $1 billion before recently being acquired. Mitch has started an innovative new fintech called Plink that partners with leading banks to drive digital engagement. We discuss the health of banks and the future of digital financial services. Hey, good morning, Mitch. How are you? Good morning, Silvio. I'm great. How are you doing? Doing great. Where in the great state of California are you today? I'm connecting to you from Los Angeles. Awesome. And we'll kind of leave aside the rivalries between LA and San Francisco, where I'm based today, NorCal and SoCal. But want to just talk to you about your amazing career. You spent a career at the forefront of fintech and banking and 
innovative lending to merchants through OnDeck. Can you sum up for us, what do you see happening right now in the banking sector and the fintech sector that are really, really hot? I mean, a lot is happening, but I really feel like the past sort of 30 years of emerging technology and of somewhat of a static development market in the traditional banks was kind of leading up to something. I think the pandemic solidified it. And I would sum it up by saying banks are in a consumer engagement crisis. You know, I can't really remember who said this, but I know this is like one of those quotable quotes, never waste a good crisis, right? And what's implied in that is in every crisis, there's both a promise and a peril. What do you view as the current promise of the crisis? And what do you view as the perils of the current crisis? I'll start with the peril first. I think banks must regain their position as the most important fintech in the consumer's life. Neobanks and fintechs were already taking market share at an alarming rate before the pandemic. Then the pandemic hit and the transition to digital banking advanced five years in just a few quarters. And then to make matters worse, you know, Amazon, Google, and Apple are just beginning to make their entry into banking. I think that today, the app is now the bank. And that plays more into the hands of the competitors than the traditional bank. And I think so that's the peril. That's the danger. If there's an opportunity, you know, I think there is digital transformation and the app is the bank reality comes with the opportunity for banks to deepen the relationship to the customer, to have more valuable relationship than and more defensible relationship than they've ever had. But they need to leverage their strength, which I think is the fact that they have transaction data, they have a card base. You know, those are two really essential ingredients of any great app. And they need to put those assets to work to create a moat around their customers. It's interesting because we think about, and you've just identified that banks could be in danger or in crisis mode. But, you know, just this week, we've had the Fed Reserve Bank release most of the banks from having heightened reserve requirements. And banks are doing pretty well and have done really well during this pandemic. Drill down for me a little bit. Why do you think banks should be worried? Because, you know, the reality is, Many of them are, but if you look at their balance sheets and their dividend policies, they're acting pretty confident. Why should banks be worried right now? Well, I think that you know, you've got 60 million Americans that have now engaged in account activity with a neobank. You've got PayPal worth more than you know, Wells Fargo and American Express combined. And I think community banking and credit unions, which are such an essential part of our economy and our financial system, are not as healthy as those major banks you described. So sure, I mean, I think compared to 2008, when all of the government stimulus went to prop up the banks themselves, whereas the recent crisis, the banks were playing a pivotal role in helping out. You know, so they're in a strong position in that regard. But I think they really need to be worried about the open banking is now the law of the land in most countries around the world. So you kind of got to look at the directional trend and not just the current slice in time. And I think right now balance sheets are strong, but customer relationships aren't. It's a really great point. And on that, a lot of fintech has been exploiting that Achilles heel and that vulnerability around customer relationships and digital engagement with consumers. Now, big banks, banks like Chase or Wells Fargo, they're involved in a lot of different business lines. You know, they're investment banks, they're corporate banks. 
And they also have payments businesses. That's probably the one that's most well known to consumers because they get their payment cards from their bank. Why do you think payments is so critical to banks regaining their their privilege position with consumers? We take mortgages out maybe a few times in our life. We might get auto loans every five years or so. But payments is something that we do several times a day. You know, payment transactions are omnipresent. You know, payment networks are what connects our communities together. And I feel that they're in every experience in our life. And so of that wide range of products, whether we're talking about Dan Schulman's super app or Sandy Wiles banking superstore or whatever the branch was supposed to become, of all that range of product, there's just nothing that compares to the frequency and the importance of the payment card. Now, you've got a lot of experience in this. You have led several startups. One of the most famous ones you were involved in and co-founded was OnDeck, which went public in 2014. Now you're the CEO and founder of a new fintech called Plink. Tell me why you started that company. And are you guys also focused on this digital engagement Achilles heel for banks? You know, after I founded On Deck, we got a lot of scale. The press was sort of calling fintechs the end of banking. And I didn't really see things unfolding that way. I believe the most likely outcome was banks and fintechs working together. And all signs pointed toward banks needing to differentiate, needing to deepen their customer relationship. From the experience I had had in issuing and acquiring, I saw a huge opportunity to deepen customer engagement via the bank's payment business. And the idea was to use the credit or debit card, not just to transact, but to create a personal link between each customer and their own unique network of merchants. And the vision was that when customers log into their bank app, they would see their merchants and benefits and savings that were fit to their spending behavior, not to have to have anything that needs to be clicked to activate, because on each purchase, there's a savings event that benefits the merchant and the consumer. So we spent four years building the machine learning and campaign automation technology, and now we're rolling out to 345 banks. We're on track to be managing about 1.5 billion unique consumer to merchant personal links or planks, which is the origin of the company's name. Fascinating. And, you know, these payment networks, Visa, uh, where I used to be an executive, MasterCard, Discover, they were basically designed to be open, right? Like any bank could participate as long as they followed a certain set of rules. And, and basically any merchant can participate as long as they follow certain rules. And so in that way, a lot of the payments networks were created as open standardized systems. The way you describe Plink is a little bit different. Tell me a little bit about how you guys have designed your platform and system and some of the challenges and opportunities with the model that you guys use to go to market. I think I learned this historical data point from a uh, Commerce Code podcast, but physical currency was introduced in 500 BC. And that was the only way humans transacted for 2,500 years. And then in roughly 30 years, transactions have become electronic almost everywhere in the world. And that open architecture of the payment rails is what enabled that incredibly rapid proliferation. And that is such an awesome infrastructure for massive scale, but such a horrific architecture for any type of payment personalization. The issuing side has no direct connection to the merchant side. People are surprised to realize that banks don't even know who the merchants are 
where their customers spend money. So there's an entirely new layer of technology that's needed to bring the two sides of the open network together. And that's what Plink brings to the table. Now, Mitch, there is a lot of innovation and quite frankly, a lot of collaboration between big banks and fintech. We've talked about on prior shows how banks are increasingly partnering with fintechs like yours, investing in fintechs like yours, buying them outright. Do you think banks now are ready to face the future or do they have a lot more work to do? Yeah, I really think they are. I think they really are ready. And we forget that open banking is not just a threat, but it is a really strong signal to the banks that their regulators are encouraging them to innovate. You know, over 25, 30 years of of starting companies in fintech, the number of bankers that I've met who are forward thinking innovators and business leaders who were very clear that they would love to do something and love to figure out how to do it in a way when their regulator is saying, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. And so now it's different. It's 180 degrees different. And I think that sets a very different stage than the past. And, you know, I think those that don't want to change despite all that will go away. But those that do are in a position to really thrive and that's the natural evolution of things, which I you know, think is generally a good thing for everyone. Well, Mitch, thank you so much for sharing your insights. I really look forward to having you back on the show in the future. I'd love to join you. Thanks so much, Silvio. Appreciate it. That's Mitch Jacobs, the CEO and founder of Plink, speaking to us from Los Angeles. Coming right up, some closing thoughts on the future of fintech and banking. As we've heard on the show today, banking faces a number of really big existential threats to their survival. But fortunately, banks are not going alone. Much like the 2008 financial crisis when many big banks received government bailouts, this time around, many big banks are looking to partner with technology companies for innovation bailouts. Perhaps that's overstating it, but the principle is true. Banks will have to look beyond their industry to survive and thrive in the new digital economy. To find out more about fintech and banking transformation, check out our website, digcomall.org. That's www.digcomall.org. For the Digital Commerce Alliance, take care of yourself and take care of each other. God bless you. This is Silvio Tavares signing off.